Messianic Jew be able to tell us who Christ is in the Passover and how that resembles that. And as we come today, I want us to take a moment and think about your banking account and to to think about a loan. And when you have a loan, there is something against you and you must pay toward that loan. But there are times that you cannot pay for that loan and that there becomes a time that the person that owns that loan calls in and says it must be paid for now. And sometimes people can give just a little bit to satisfy that and to carry it on a little bit longer as it goes down through time and as it goes through history. And you keep paying on that and you keep paying on that. Well, all of us here owed a debt or owe a debt that we could never pay Jesus Christ came and he paid that debt, and that's what we're going to look at through this Feast of Atonement as we come this morning to worship that. And I want you to understand that we can pay toward a debt and that the Israelites would do things throughout time so that they could pay for or they could have their sins covered over. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. I pray that right where you are, you have your Bibles with you. If you would take those Bibles and let's open them this morning with me to the book of Leviticus in the Old Testament, where we've been for the last several weeks and open to chapter 23, Leviticus chapter 23, and turn over to verse 26. Verse 26. I would ask if you're able to, where you're at, if you would stand with me, even there in front of your TVs or your computer screens, and let's read God's Word together. Beginning in Leviticus 23, verse 26. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, On exactly the tenth day of this seventh month is the Day of Atonement. It shall be a holy convocation for you, and you shall humble your souls and present an offering by fire to the Lord. You shall not do any work on this same day, for it is a day of atonement to make atonement on your behalf before the Lord your God. If there is any person who will not humble himself on this day, he shall be cut off from his people." As for any person who does any work on this same day, that person I will destroy from among his people. You shall do no work at all. It is to be a perpetual statute throughout your generations in all your dwelling places. It is to be a Sabbath of complete rest to you and to your humble, your souls, on the ninth of the month at evening. From evening until evening you shall keep your Sabbath. Father God, I thank you for your word. And Lord, this morning I pray that you would help us to hear that. Father, you would help us to hear from you through the power of Holy Spirit. And Father, may we understand how your son was represented through the feast of the Day of Atonement. Father, I pray this morning that you would uh, allow me just to set myself aside And Father, come to you this morning and say, I'm a vessel, empty, to be used by you. Father God, would you speak through me, through the power of Holy Spirit? Father, would you help us to hear, Lord, as your word says, would you open our eyes that we may behold wonderful things from your law? 
Because, Lord, your law and your word is full of wonderful things. Thank you for this blessed day. And, Father God, we just pray everything in the precious and the most holy name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. The Feast of Atonement and Jesus Christ in that. To to understand what that is, we've got to understand what was the feast for them. What were their commands? What was done at these feasts? What did God prescribe? I want to begin noting, as some of you already know, that their days begin at sundown and go to sundown. That's the reason that God said on the 10th day, and then at the very end of the verse, he said at 32, that on the ninth of the month at evening, on the ninth day at evening began their next day. They were to start this feast of atonement, this preparation for atoning for their sins began and went all through the night, all the next day up until evening. 24 hours this was to go on, to be a day of rest to be a day of soul searching, to be a day at looking at their lives and to repenting of their sins. But for us to understand the total detail of the feast and all that went around it, we need to go back just a few chapters in Leviticus to Leviticus chapter 16. So if you'll put a marker or something there in your Bible, we'll be back there in a moment. And let's turn to Leviticus chapter 16. Because this is where Moses prescribed to them exactly what it was that they must do to enroll into that. And before we actually look at the scripture there, we need to understand what was given to them were the responsibilities that the priest had. The responsibilities that he was to do and the order of how it was to be carried out. And we understand when this time come along that this day of atonement was the one day a year that the high priest was able to go into the Holy of Holies. They were to go into the tabernacle, into that tent of meetings, and they could go in and there was a place that they could offer up incense, and there was a place that they were to do the sacrifice, but there was a curtain that separated the Holy of Holies from the rest of the tabernacle or from the temple. This Holy of Holies is the place where the Ark of the Covenant was set, and the mercy seat was upon that Ark of the Covenant, and that is where God would rest, and that's where God would meet and that his people were to bring this one day of year through the high priest an atonement for their sin. The high priest, when he entered in, he had to be right. Scripture tells us how he was to bathe, how he was to dress and to prepare himself, but it also says that first of all, he was to make an atonement or a sacrifice for himself. The high priest could not enter in before God of the Holy of Holies with sin in his life. He had to prepare himself. He had to offer a sacrifice of blood for himself. And then he would offer a sacrifice through the blood of the animals for the people of Israel. And when he went into the Holy of Holies, he was able to do this. But let me tell you, as it begins to describe to us, he was to take two male goats for a sin offering and one ram for a burnt offering. Look with me there in scripture of Leviticus chapter 16 and verse 5. He shall take from the congregation of the sons of Israel 
two male goats for a sin offering and one ram for a burnt offering. God was very specific with exactly what he was to do. He was to take those two goats and he was to bring them to the door and the ram for the burnt offering. And we see in verses 8 through 10, let me read this to you. And Aaron shall take the two goats and he shall cast lots, one for the Lord and the other lot for the scapegoat. Then Aaron shall offer the goat on which the lot for the Lord fell and make it a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot for the scapegoat fell shall be presented alive before the Lord to make atonement upon it and into the wilderness as the scapegoat. They were told very particularly that they were to bring those two goats and they were to go to the door of the tent of meetings and uh, the priest was to cast lots, which is a way of deciding between the two. One of them would be slaughtered as a sin offering. The other one would become known as what is called a scapegoat. He would be the scapegoat for the atonement. He is the one that would take the covering as it would talk about. Scapegoat is a covering. Uh, In Genesis uh, chapter 6, Moses was told to cover the ark with pitch. He was to atonement the ark. He was to, to make a covering, the scapegoat. And here we see that the scapegoat was chosen. That scapegoat would then be presented alive. The priest would take his hands and place it on the goat, and he would lay the sins of the people of Israel on the scapegoat. And then there was a man, a priest that was willing and ready. He was the chosen one, and he was waiting. And when the priest was to take that scapegoat, place his hands on it, and the sins be put on there, then this other one would take it out into the wilderness and he would let it go, and it would run off, symbolizing the atonement of the sin, symbolizing that the sin was taken away. In one of the readings I looked at, it talked about that they would take this goat about 12 miles out, and then would be pushed off the edge of the cliff to do away with those sins, the covering. But what we've got to understand, this scapegoat, This sacrifice was only for atonement. It only covered over the people's sin. That's very important for us to understand, that it was only a covering. And then the blood from the bull would be sprinkled with the fingers of the priest at the mercy seat. Look there at Leviticus 16 with me in verse 14. It says, Moreover, he shall take some of the blood of the bull and sprinkle it with his fingers on the mercy seat. On the east side, also in front of the mercy seat, he shall sprinkle some of the blood with his fingers seven times. The other goat and the bull was sacrificed, and the blood was sprinkled around the mercy seat. God always requires the shedding of blood to atone for sin. From the very beginning of time, when Adam and Eve sinned, God had to kill an animal and shed the blood. Why shedding of the blood? Because the blood represents the life within the body. And a a life must be given, this blood given in place of the sin. And they would do this continually over time. It was to be done annually. 
And but we also see in verse 16 and 24 that and he shall bathe his body with water in a holy place and put on his clothes and come forth and offer his burnt offering and the burnt offering to the people and make atonement for himself and for the people. He was to be cleansed and his body was to be bathed. But this had to be done every year. Every year this had to be done. And in verse 34 there, now you shall have this as a permanent statute to make atonement for the sons of Israel for all their sins once every year. And just as the Lord had commanded Moses, so he did. The atonement. That's what we're talking about is the Feast of Atonement, the covering. They were given specific ways. The priest was told, this is what you must do. You must go in and you must bring these goats and you're to cast lots so that the Lord decides which one is the scapegoat, which one gets slaughtered. You're to pray over it and to send it out as an atonement and the blood is to be sprinkled around the altar. The Lord was very specific. But he also told them, you must do this every year, over and over, on a very specific day. And he was very specific that any violators of this would be restricted and were to be put to death. If you didn't do exactly as God commanded, if this day of atonement didn't happen to cover the sins for that year then they were to be put to death. They were to be done away with. But what were they to actually do? What was part of that? Let's turn back into Leviticus, back where we were at in verse 23, uh, chapter 23 and verse 27. It says, On exactly the tenth day of this seventh month is the day of atonement. It shall be a holy convocation, and you shall humble your souls and present an offering by fire to the Lord. Your scripture might say, and you shall afflict your souls. You are to humble or afflict your souls. The soul is the inner being, our thought and our emotion. We are to take that, and what is this humbling or what is this afflicting? We need to understand that. What were they talking about but a humble or to afflict your soul, your inner being, your thought and your emotions is to self-denial. They were to deny themselves. They were to have a fast. But the purpose of that was to be able to set aside and to contemplate the sins in their life. They were to afflict their souls. They were to fast. And they were to think about and to confess the community contrition, the sins of the nation of Israel. They were to confess their sins before the Lord so that they can be cleansed all through Scripture. And even in the New Testament, we hear that thou shalt confess with thy mouth. They had to acknowledge who God was. They were to abstain from regular work. This was a whole day to set aside to fast and to confess and to repent before the Lord, to acknowledge their sin and who God was. And as they're afflicting their souls, their inner beings, they're searching deep down. They're searching down into who they are, into their thoughts and their motives, their emotions. And then the priest would go into, during that day, what we covered a while ago. 
And here it tells us that anyone who doesn't do this is to be cut off from the community. Now that we understand just a little bit about this feast, about this festival of atonement, this day of atonement that God prescribed in detail so that their sins could be covered over, so that atonement could be made, the covering of the sin. Let's see Christ in the festival of the Passover. And you know the best way to do that is in God's Word. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 9. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11. If you turn there, say amen. I can imagine you saying amen as you turn there to Hebrews chapter 9, beginning in verse 11. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things to come, he entered through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this creation, and not through the blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood, he entered the holy place once and for all having obtained eternal redemption. For in the blood, if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling those who have been defiled sanctify for the cleansing of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works, to serve the living God. Christ is the high priest. The high priest was the only one in that day in the Old Testament allowed to enter into the throne room. He's the only one that was allowed to enter in to the holy of holies. And Jesus Christ is our high priest. And when he died on that cross, that veil was ripped. Jesus Christ had entered into the presence of the Lord God himself, and he is the one that is there. He is our prior priest. He has entered before God. And he did it not through the blood of animals. We need to understand that. Look back there at verse 12. And not through the blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood, praise the Lord. The blood of goats and calves were used to atone for sin in the Old Testament. They were used as a covering to appease, a covering for their sin. But Jesus Christ's death on the cross and his blood shed and his blood that has been sprinkled was the blood of the everlasting and his blood did it for all of eternity. He was Christ's blood that allowed him to enter in and in there of verse 12 we were just looking at and not through the blood of goats and calves but through his own blood. He entered the holy place once and for all, having attained eternal redemption. We need to understand, church, that when Jesus Christ died on the cross, God's only begotten Son died on that cross and the blood was shed. It was for all of eternity. It was not only a scapegoat, Jesus represented that. It's not only the atonement of sin and the covering of sin, but Jesus Christ died on the cross and it permanently removed our sin, church. That's the difference. 
It's not an atonement. Jesus' death didn't cover. Jesus' death removes for all of eternity our sin. It blots it out forever in answer. It canceled our debt. Hold your finger there in Hebrews, and let's look at Colossians real quick. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 13. When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt, consisting of decrees against us which was hostile to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Remember when I began, we talked about a debt and that you're constantly paying on that debt. Well, when Jesus Christ came, it was paid in full. We no longer have that debt. It's no longer certificates against believers. Those who have received Jesus Christ are no longer can Satan hold over their head their sin. He can no longer have a certificate that separates us from God because all of eternity, the blood of Christ was sprinkled. And that blood permanently removed. It canceled the debt. We no longer owe it. It's not there. Signed, sealed, paid for, delivered. When you look on the books, it has been paid for in full. Not only is Christ our high priest, but back over there in Hebrews. Let's look at Hebrews 9.15 because God, through his son Jesus Christ, with his death on the cross, become the mediator of a new covenant. What do I mean by that? Let's look. Hebrews 9 and verse 15. For this reason, he is the mediator of a new covenant. So that since the death has taken place for the redemption of the transgressions that were committed under the first covenant, those who have been called may receive the promise of the internal inheritance. For this reason, he is the mediator of a new covenant. The old covenant, the old testament, the old law that God gave the nation of Israel. You must follow this law. He gave them that law for the point so that they would understand that they are never going to match up perfectly. They're never going to be exactly right. We can never uphold to God's holiness. God wanted us to understand he is holy and he is perfect and we are not. And in the old covenant, he required for blood to be shed to cover over or to atone for sin. One day a year, they would have the festival of the day of atonement where they would go in and for that year, the priest would sacrifice and he would send off that scapegoat. But with Jesus Christ, that was foretelling of who he is. But today, we know that he is the one that is the mediator. He is the one that made it possible for the new covenant. The new covenant is our New Testament. It is a part about Jesus dying on the cross and shedding his blood for sinful people to show them how much he loved them even while they were still sinners. And when we take time to confess our sin to Jesus Christ and to run to him as the only possible way, and we ask him for that forgiveness and we acknowledge his death, burial, and his resurrection, his blood is then poured over us and we are 
are cleansed and we come into the new covenant. The new covenant with God that says, if you accept my son, then your relationship will be restored. If you accept my son, that you have eternity with me through the forgiveness of sin. Christ's death instituted the new covenant. Bloodshed of animals over and over and over again, Old Testament. New covenant, Jesus Christ, God's only begotten son, died on the cross and shed his blood once and for all and for all of eternity. But we also, just as they did, we must humble our souls. We must afflict our souls and search our inner person and our inner thoughts to see of the sin that we have, that we may confess them to the Lord. We must deny ourselves. We must deny our flesh and confess our sins. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All of us have sinned, and if we confess our sin, Christ is willing to pour the blood over us so that we may have eternity with him. But I'm here to tell you, church, just as in the Old Testament, God was very specific with his law. He was very specific with what was to be done on the day of atonement and how it must be done and that if people didn't do it, they would be cut off. Church, I'm here to tell you today, the same is for us. If we do not confess our sins to Jesus Christ and we do not run to him for our eternal salvation and believe in the gospel that is presented in God's word, that he was a perfect man, that he lived perfect, that he died on that cross and he shed his blood for all people, and that he was buried in the tomb and raised on the third day as a living God today sitting at the right hand of the Father. If we refuse to do that, we will be cut off from the rest of everyone else. Those who refuse to follow the new covenant way will be cut off and will be sent by their choice to spend all eternity in hell. They are dead just as they were to kill in the Old Testament those who did not follow. If we do not follow, then we are dead because we're separated. Because there's only one way to God, and that's through his son, Jesus Christ. Church, in light of the Feast of Atonement, the Day of Atonement, we must humble our souls. We need to do this regularly. We need to afflict ourselves. We need to spend time with God's word. We need to find fasting and we need to move forward so that we can continue on worshiping the Lord. We must be repenting of our sins daily to him so that he may forgive us. The Feast of Atonement foretold what God was going to do, how he was going to save his people, and that's where we are today, church. This day of atonement will not be fully fulfilled until we actually are resurrected to meet the Lord in the air. Let me just encourage you, church, that we need to focus on ourselves. You need to look and you need to run to the Father. We need to humble ourselves and seek and ask Holy Spirit to reveal so that we can be forgiven of our sins. Church, before we go off the air. I want to encourage you for just a moment. Let's take some time while we're all together, our hearts are joined, 
And let's seek the Lord as the music plays for just the next few moments.